Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Seth Askelson, and welcome into Locked On Coyotes, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back again. It's the midweek podcast for week three. And again, we bring in Andrew Bell from Easy uh, Sports 360 AZ. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing well, Seth. And back to another day of the podcast and coming off a Coyotes victory, too. Uh, they put forth a pretty good game last night in Winnipeg in a place that has been a house of horrors for them. Um, in some sort, uh, you know, it's been a while since they've won in Winnipeg and kind of taken care of business in that city. They were able to get the job done last night. I thought it was a pretty well-rounded team effort. They had a good breakout in the second period. Special teams looked good. That power play clicked twice um, and was able to put home a goal. So all in all, a pretty good win for the Coyotes. And now it's onwards to Nashville on Thursday in what should be a, a pretty entertaining game with the Predators team who's liable to uh, make another postseason run this year or at least a push towards the postseason this year I, you know they had some pretty high expectations going into this year they returned uh you know a core group of guys who have been together for a few years and they're four and two right now so it should be a good matchup on thursday once more yeah and the coyotes uh like you said really good special teams wise a little bit of a late podcast yesterday and it was an early game a five o'clock start so got a chance to break down the game a little bit kind of an instant react yesterday but I really do want to touch on that power play for the Coyotes. Two goals. Uh, Christian Dvorak scores twice. Uh, Nick Schmaltz gets the other power play goal. So let me rephrase that. Two power play goals, one Dvorak, one Schmaltz, and then Dvorak had another one later on. But um, we'll talk about Devo in a minute. But the power play, unbelievable. I mean, a team that has struggled on the power play for a decade, even when they were going to the playoffs, their power play was not a strong point. And it never really has in Arizona. So good to see that. That's what Phil Housley was brought in for. He's brought in to fix that power play. It looks like it's fixed in terms of converting. I still think they have troubles entering the zone. They also gave a breakaway where Keller fell down on the blue line. Kemper bailed out his team. So I still think they have some wrinkles to work out, namely zone entry. And uh, sometimes they get caught below the circles a little too much. And I understand you got one, one man advantage but especially when you leave a forward up at the point it can be tough so uh, outside of that you, you got to convert it's a lot of people always say you know it doesn't matter how many opportunities you get just get one on the power play and it's a success every night they got two what did you see out of that Coyotes power play well I thought the one was a little bit of a break um, on the Dvorak goal they have one there Morris he's trying to clear the puck and chip it over the net and he chips it into his own goal um, but then the other looks I thought were good that they had. I thought they moved the puck around pretty well. I do agree with you in the sense that kind of <clears throat> having those four forwards out in the ice, I know they like to move Kessel up high sometimes, um, but having those four forwards on the ice and kind of sliding them below the faceoff dots, uh, it sets up OEL with a lot of pressure at the point and some of um, the guys up at the point kind of with that system and saw them almost get caught for it yesterday. Of course, Keller has that turnover and Kemper bails him out with the breakaway. But overall, I thought the puck movement was good. I thought Phil Kessel on the first Dvorak goal gets the shot towards the net. They get the rebound. They're able to make a break out of it with the Morrissey play. Um, and then Nick Schmaltz, can't say enough about him. He's looked really good offensively. And after those first couple of games where I kind of said that he had the rust, and they are talking about it on the broadcast yesterday as well, but he's had a little bit of that rust at the beginning of the season. You haven't seen it so much in the last couple of games. You're starting to see him return to the guy that the Coyotes got when they first acquired him before he got injured last year. Uh, he was able to roof that shot yesterday um, and then just continues to 
do a lot of good things offensively, and I think he has a really lethal wrist shot. Um, he can pick his corners, and he's going to help a lot on that, um, you know, not only just offensively, but probably on special teams throughout the rest of the season. So it's good to see him back and kind of getting going here. And, um, you know, I think the power play still has a lot of work to do, specifically, like you said, with zone entries trying to be more clean in that sense. I feel like once they're set up, it seemed like yesterday the power plays, once they're set up, everything was all good, but it was getting into the zone. Um, that was a big problem for them, and um, you got to get in quicker. I've seen times throughout this season where they're trying to get in the zone, and it takes them a solid minute on the two-minute power play. Obviously, you try and get things set up. You want to have at least two good brushes, or uh, you know, two good portions of zone time you're on a two-minute power play, and it seems like it takes him a little bit to get set up. But um, other than that, I thought, like I said, Nick Schmaltz looked really good. The power play was clicking on all cylinders. I really liked their puck movement. And then the net front's presence as well. I thought Carl Soderberg did a really good job in front of the net yesterday, doing what I talked about last week on the podcast, but kind of getting that net front presence, getting in the vision of the goaltender, uh, which is the most important thing. I thought he did a really good job in that aspect yesterday. Yeah, Soderberg in front of the net on Nick Schmaltz's goal. <laughs> Um, Nick Schmaltz, like you said, trying to knock the rust off, scored a goal um, in at home against Vegas. I think he did score in Colorado too, if I can recall correctly, and then had a goal and two assists last night. The most interesting thing, you look on NHL.com, and they have their three stars listed. Now, I'm not particularly sure if that is uh, in conjunction with the in-arena three stars of the game. I'm sure it has to be at least close. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, who led both teams in points, not listed in the three stars category. So I know Kyle Connor had a, a big game himself, but Nick Schmaltz, uh, three points, and I'm sure he'd take the three points over being in the three stars. So uh, for Schmaltz, he's coming back. Devo's starting to look good. That's another guy that's really struggled with injuries. But uh, I guess when uh, you get two power play goals and in a department where you struggle, I guess the hockey gods have to balance things out because two goals the Coyotes allowed were on the special teams unit that gives them the biggest strength and that's the penalty kill so um wouldn't say too concerning um that penalty kill doesn't look as strong as it did last year obviously we're five games in so everything's so early but um i guess if for you andrew a team that plays well defensively a team you know penalty kill wise the average team around i think 80 percent or so a little bit over would you take some of that penalty, if you had to, would you take some of that penalty kill success off of the Coyotes and shift it over to the power play? I think you would, especially based on the uh, kind of the goal discrepancies that they had last year and the struggles that they had on special teams just on the power play side of things. I think you'd kind of make that an even trade so far this season. I don't think the penalty kill has been completely dreadful by any means. Uh, I think they've, you know, showed up. But I think that's a little different this year. I'm not sure if they changed anything or that's kind of been a focal point but um seems that the aggressive nature of last year's penalty kill i remember that pk last year was flying all over the place they're really aggressive getting up to the point uh, pressuring guys with the puck and it seemed to work pretty well for them i'm not sure if they've changed anything up among coaches in that department but it seems like it's a little bit different this year there's a little bit less pressure maybe that's something they discussed um something that they saw with some of the guys coming back from injury and some of the new pieces and penalty killers that they have um, that they saw they could change things up maybe but I still think the penalty kills they a work in progress and of course the best pen, your best penalty killer always has to be your goaltender they're pretty strong in that regard so I think um, even if there are some 
growing pains on the PK. Uh, you have those guys on the back end who can make up for it between Kemper and Ronta, and they've done their job so far this season. So I think the PK is going to be fine as well. And five-on-five five play, I know you're probably going to touch on it, Seth, but they have been lights out uh, this season and statistically one of the best hockey teams, if not the best hockey team in the NHL when it comes to five-on-five five play. If they can just get that goal scoring up a little bit, uh, should be a pretty good formula for success with the Coyotes. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I'll drop some uh, some nerd statistics for you guys. Uh, the hockey community will worry about statistics not as welcomed as baseball, but we'll get into that. Um, to the Coyotes' penalty kill again just really quick. They haven't changed that top unit. Gra- uh, Grabner Richardson has been really good. Grabner had an opportunity to shorthand a goal on Thursday, and he couldn't put it past Marc-Andre Fleury. But um, I think it's more that second penalty kill unit it's it's they're getting a lot of guys back they have a lot more guys at their disposal so trying to figure out who's a better penalty killer they don't have josh archibald um, who was a fantastic penalty killer on that second unit last year so um, a little bit of a different uh, lineup in terms of the second penalty kill unit but i think the Kaiser will figure it out um, and if you want to see that fantastic penalty kill unit on thursday when the coyotes return home you can try and find tickets on vivid seats now vivid seats is a ticket marketplace that is dedicated to helping you, the fan, find uh, tickets to experiences that last a lifetime. Now, you want to see the Coyotes this weekend. They play home Thursday against Nashville, Saturday against Ottawa. Uh, If you want to see the Suns next week, they open the season uh, next Wednesday, seven days from now. Um, You want to see any of the great concerts that come into Gila River Arena. Gila River Arena, a great concert venue, by the way. Um, Vivid Seats can help you. They'll find you the best deal that you're looking for, the seats that you're looking for, the prices that you're looking for. Uh, when you purchase from them, you are automatically enrolled in their uh, reward system. And MLB postseason uh, game for the ALCS canceled, uh, pushed till tomorrow. So it gives you a chance to buy a red-eye flight to New York and see game for the ALCS if you want. Or if you're already booking plans to go to the World Series, Vivid Seats can help you with that. You can use the promo code POSTSEASON to get off up to $100 off of your order. Once again, postseason at Vivid Seats for up to $100 off your order. Now I want to talk about Christian Dvorak, a guy drafted in the second round, um, a guy that had a lot of points, two consecutive 100-plus point seasons um, in juniors, and a guy that I feel like has been overlooked. Part of it is he's been injured a lot a couple years with some season-ending injuries. He struggled to get back in the lineup. He's healthy. But he looks really good. And I'm starting to wonder if that top line, again, that the top line isn't bad, but the way Dvorak and Schmaltz are rolling, the way that Kessel has two points in five games, which is nothing to necessarily scoff at, but the way that Schmaltz and Dvorak are rolling, that right winger seems to kind of be changing on a nightly basis, whoever's in the lineup, whether it be Kraus, whether it be Hayton, I have a feeling that Fisher is going to be sitting pretty soon, and Hayton will be in maybe bump Kraus down to the fourth line. Either way, uh, you, what have you seen out of Christian Dvorak this year? We'll start with the, the simple question. Christian Dvorak, looking good, scored two goals last night. What have you seen out of him this season? I think the biggest thing for him, and he's come a long way with his line mate, I think the one thing you don't want to do when you're separating lines, and to get exactly to the point of your question, I think he's looked good. Uh, I think the biggest thing for him is just staying healthy. I think that's 
what's plagued him the last couple of years. He's still really young, just 23 years of age. Has plenty of good hockey ahead of him. And if he's able to stay healthy, I think he's coming into his prime years. And I think you saw that point in case last night. And you're able to see – I mean, you saw it last year when he came back off the – you know, came off the injured reserve and comes back and has a big game. He's able to score a goal and kind of added some reinforcements to this Coyotes roster that they – gravely needed at the end of last year but I think the biggest thing for him is staying healthy and then I think the way they're rolling right now I think he's developed really good chemistry with Nick Schmaltz another guy who was injured last year and Caddies are wondering what they would have had if these two guys were together last year and I think they provide a little bit of a breath of fresh air offensively and I think he should stay with Nick Schmaltz regardless of um, what the setup is I think that's number one thing if you want to move him with Phil Kessel uh, I think that's to be determined kind of but you mentioned Hayton Kraus uh, where do they slot in then Kraus has played pretty well and playing the last two games uh, of course uh, he comes back in the Colorado game and then you know plays again last night but I think the biggest thing for him is staying healthy and then keep on developing that chemistry with Nick Schmaltz I don't think that the way those two guys are playing right now I don't think they want to move them whatsoever and they played pretty well so the mute line as they uh, as they call them or as Barrett Hayton uh, coined it last week uh, I think they've done a pretty good job and Dvorak fits right into that mix and I think he's uh, he has a pretty good shot very skilled offensively I think he's yet to even tap into that full potential yet and I think there's still better games to come for him yeah and you don't want to break them up I think if you're going to switch lines it's a situation of you're going to move them together right that, that right winger is kind of a revolving door not in a bad way I think you're just trying to find who fits well in that line I mean if you had to play Kraus there every night it wouldn't be a problem if you had to play Hayton there every night wouldn't be an issue I think it's finding that best fit um, but it'd be interesting to see if they can get Phil Kessel going now he Kessel has two points in five games not terrible again but a guy who's averaged pretty much a point a game in his career I know the Coyotes want to see uh, in terms of production a little bit more out of him he's had a ton of opportunities and he's set a lot of guys up so it's not that he hasn't been close and he's struggling Kessel's playing well just in terms of if you're looking pure stats not as again five games in not after the start that you usually see Phil Kessel but team's rolling right now I mean they've gotten five of the last six points and especially when you're in a season this early I mean we saw Buffalo jump out to a hot start. Didn't last last year. We've seen the Oilers jump out to hot starts prior to this season and did not last. So I think for the Coyotes, if they can, it's about playing a consistent game for 82 games. And I think a lot of coaches would tell you that in the NHL. And for a guy like Dvorak, a guy who's had a hard time staying healthy, playing full seasons, he's just got to play a consistent game. And his consistent game can be at a high level, especially when he's playing with Nick Schmaltz. So, um, again, nothing to panic about yet, and especially in terms of that top line. But you just start to wonder, maybe in, auto, in the game on Saturday, if the Coyotes have firm gra- a firm grasp, does Tockett maybe switch the lines a little bit, see if something a little bit different works together come the third period. Now, usually the, the train of thought is, if you're rolling, you're not going to switch your lines, but it would be a bad idea to see how things uh, are, are going in terms of uh, in terms of what else could help you do better. 
But I mean, again, I think Keller, Kessel fit well together. Keller's the playmaker, maker, Kessel the sniper. So um, be interesting to see. Again, I don't think there's going to be any imminent line changes, but would be. I think it would be fun to see Schmoltz and Dvorak play with Kessel, especially the way they've been rolling recently. I think it would be interesting. At the same time, I'm actually going to have to defer with you on that point, Seth, because the old motto goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's kind of the motto that I stick with. I know um, you're talking about switching things up in third period, but I think the, um, from Coach Taka's perspective, it's that old motto that rings in the back of your head. Um, but if you know there are some scoring problems that persist, of course they've cleaned up a little bit, uh, at least last night and in the Vegas game. Colorado game's kind of the outlier there with only two goals being put up on the night. But... Um, I I kind of have that perspective of if it, ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think those guys are rolling along right now. But if there are some problems that come up late in the season or even mid-season where the team's going through another dry spell, why not switch up those guys? Uh, I think it could be an interesting dynamic. See if where they put Phil Kessel. I also think there's other options. He's one of those guys you can stick him in anywhere, and he's an instant goal scorer. I do think at some point this season i don't know if it'll be over the next few weeks or so but we will see that line split up whether it becomes because of injury or outside problems or something something else um, is to be determined but i do think we're going to see that line split up especially uh, if the points kind of continue to go the way they're going right now for phil kessel like i said there's not too much to complain about when you won two out of your last three games and you feel pretty good you know five games in the season i think for as panicked as Coyotes fans were kind of after those first two games, they're starting to see this is a little bit of a different team this year. This is really the first time in the last three seasons. It sounds crazy, but uh, I know you're talking because I know we've talked a little bit about it off-air, Seth, but it's crazy that this Coyotes team, it you know, it sounds over the top. This is really the first time that they've gotten through the first five or six games in the last three seasons, and it hasn't been a complete disaster. They had a couple years ago where – Starts off to a horrendous start to the season. There's no wins for what was it? The first, first eleven games. First eleven games of the season, and the team comes on strong at the end of the year, but it's already too late to do anything about that. So you don't have a win in your first eleven games. Then last year, you get off to what seems like a promising start, at least a few games in, and then the injury bug hits, and then things just continue to kind of snowball throughout the season. And it's kind of that first minor checkpoint, or at least. Um, checkpoint or crossing point, whatever you want to put it, this at this point in the season where you're five games in and everything doesn't seem like it's a complete, you know, there's a lot of problems and a lot of alarms going off. So I think uh, having Dvorak back help. Having Dvorak back helps. Um, obviously, Nick Schmaltz returns help, return helps as well. God can't speak right now, but uh, you know, having those guys back helps. And then I think Phil Kessel. You'd rather have his point production later in the season, and that's what they brought him in for. It's what uh, GM uh, John Chica talked about at the beginning of the year. He's a guy who's proven to score in late games and kind of late in the season. And so I think you'd rather have him score those goals later in the year than right now. Um, and I think, you know, all's well for the Coyotes right now. And like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I think they're going to stick with those guys. But I do think at some point that top line will be broken up at some point. Now, the Coyotes 5-on-5 five five are incredible, and it was the same way last year. Penalty kill, probably the strongest part of their game, but 5-on-5 five five last year was really good. It's even better this year. I mean, you look at what they've done, especially statistically. You take a look at the Corsi, which the Corsi is 
the basically basically it's a percentage of how much a team has controlled a game. Coyotes at right now at 51%, which I mean isn't overwhelming by any stretch, but still a team that has struggled to score goals has dominated the possession um, over 50% of the time. You look at their goals or save percentage. Their save percentage is a team 945. The league average at five on five, 904. So they are literally 40 points higher than the league average. And a team that you know you feel if if they could score, this team should be 4-0 and one right now. I'll say it. I don't. I don't know if I would say they would have won that Colorado game either way. Um, Colorado's a really good team. I think they're going to be the best team in the West. They might be the best team in the league. But uh, you got to think they would have beaten the Ducks if they could figure out a way to score. And obviously only lost to the defending Eastern Conference champions one nothing. So uh, the Coyotes are looking pretty good right now, especially 5-on-5. Five five. What have you seen from them, especially at even strength, that's allowed them to dominate the play and not only not allow chances, but they've had a, a lot of chances themselves as well. It all starts, <clears throat> of course, all of the chances occur in the offensive zone, but it all starts on the other end of the ice, on the back end with some of the defensemen. I think, obviously, he's out of the lineup right now, um, and for the foreseeable future, it's Nick Jarmelson. Um, he was out for the next three months due to injury, but I think having guys like him, having Jason Amers healthy this year, Alex Goligoski, all those guys help so much with the offense. Um, and just trying to break the puck out of the zone. One thing that you're not going to see hardly ever with the Coy- with this Coyotes teams, and uh, if you're a Coyotes fan, you knock on wood at this comment, but uh, their ability to break the puck out, they hardly ever turn the puck over in the middle of the ice com- coming out of their own defensive end. Very clean breakouts. And when you're able to do that, you're able to generate or uh, kind of get the other way, get in the offensive zone and make some things happen. And I think the defense is kind of where that, all those stats that you mentioned, Seth, that's kind of where it stems from. And it starts with that defense, those defensemen breaking the puck out of the zone. Then, of course, having a goaltender like Darcy Kemper, who's just locked down the net, uh, has really helped them this year. But I think it starts on the defensive end of the ice, and that's where you're seeing that. And the, as the old saying goes, Seth, uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda for the 4-0-1 comment. Uh, of course, you like to ha- think that can take Boston, you take Anaheim, they played more They played more than well enough to win both those hockey games, but they're not able to get the job done. Those are games that you hope that you, they don't haunt you at the end of the season, and uh, I'm sure that Coach Tockett has in the back of his mind, because like he said, that was one thing he mentioned at his post-game press conference at the end, when the Coyotes got eliminated last year, is, is there something we could have done? Any games that we left out on the table that kind of left us hanging, you think about those games and won first two games of the year between Boston and uh, Anaheim that can stick out and kind of try to haunt your memory. But uh, I think it starts with the defensive end. They're just super clean coming out of their own zone. You hardly ever, I mean, you think about the Vegas game. Vegas is one of the best teams in the league at um, being opportunistic and with the puck in their own zone, forcing turnovers and then getting odd man rushes the other way. Um, that Vegas game in the third period, that was about as clean of a hockey game as I've seen from any team in the league against them. I'm just trying to shut them down. They did not have any. They had a couple shots on net, and I think you look at the shot counting, oh, Vegas was in that game. That third period, 
there was not a lot of grade eight looks for the Knights whatsoever. Darcy Kemper could see everything. They were blocking shots. They are getting pucks out of the zone, having short shifts, and they are doing all the little things the right way. And it starts in the defensive zone. And I can't remember in that third period them having a miscue defensively coming out of their own zone. They're very clean breaking the puck out of the zone. Very disciplined team as well. I think that's a credit to Coach Tockett and what he's done and along with his assistants that he's brought in this offseason. But they're just a very clean hockey team. And when you don't beat yourself – whether it's hockey or any sport, um, when you don't beat yourself, it makes you a very tough team to beat regardless, um, even if you aren't scoring goals. But if you you know, don't step on your own feet, uh, it makes you a pretty good hockey team. And I think that's what they've done so far, and that's why you see those stats that you were mentioning. Yeah, and a team that has done well defensively, you see the numbers, you look at that. They're, again, no game is played on paper, and there's a reason for that. But if you're going to look at stats, their expected goals against average every game, 0.5 goals. That's how good they are defensively and how good their goaltender is. Is Statistically, they, they're allowing one goal every other game. Now, if the Coyotes actually put that up, be the best team in the league. And as of right now, it doesn't seem like the Coyotes can't be capable of that. But um, just when those numbers pop out at you, it's, it's insane. Yeah, when you're looking at the Coyote, you got to think to yourself, if you're in that dressing room going out on the ice every night, and I'm not saying, you know, be like Notre Dame football and hang a sign on the wall and tap on, but if you're coming out of that dressing room and you have that those guys in that room are really solid defensively and they've kind of bought in that system, you got to be thinking to yourself every time you step on the ice, if we score three goals tonight, we're good enough to get a victory. That's how good they've been defensively and with the goal totals that they've allowed. Talk about the Vegas game, but Winnipeg's just as good offensively. I know um, it's a little bit of a different team this year, but they have a lot of weapons similar to Vegas and play a similar type of game and where they're very strong offensively. The defense is another discussion on Winnipeg, but offensively they have a lot of weapons and uh, they limited them again last night if it's not for that four minute penalty uh, that was assessed to them where they get a high stick there and it's a four minute um, penalty when Winnipeg scores right off the bat, then it's probably a 4-1 game again, kind of similar to that Vegas game. But I think, um, you know, just defensively, they've really stood out this year and just super clean. Yeah, and uh, a couple more points before we head out. That power play, that was the one where Kyle Connor had tucked that one just over the shoulder of Kemper. Kemper came off his post a little early, but it was still an incredible shot. So uh, not only did it take a four-minute power play, but it took an incredible shot by Kyle Connor to even get that second on the, goal. On the backhand, too. Yeah, on the backhand. backhand. Yeah, he so, roofed it. I mean, if there, Darcy Kemper, I mean, he was down, but he played that. It was on the goal line. If you, if he makes that shot, you just tip your hat to him because, I mean, that was a heck of a shot. And those, those are those weapons that I was talking about, why you don't want to get in a run-and-gun type of game with Winnipeg and on the power play. But that was just one side note to that game last night. Yeah, exactly. So you were literally one amazing goal away from winning another game 4-1. to one. Um, And uh, just a couple more stats. Uh, the league average, so uh, a statistic, again, this is all from Hockey Reference, a great site, especially if you're a big stats guy. Uh, basically, it's high danger chances converted. So, you know, I'd, however they, I haven't really read deep into that, but it's however they consider high danger chances, what you think, you know, breakaways, shots right out in front, things like that. League average um, percentage against a team, 9% of those high danger chances on average, go in. Coyotes are at four and a half. Four and a half. The team right now is playing so below league, so above league average defensively. It's insane. So you, it, it's hard to think that 
if they start not it's hard not to think that if they start scoring they're really going to go off and running those numbers you mentioned they're pretty astounding Seth and uh, the saying is numbers never lie well if you're the Coyotes right now you got to feel like some of those numbers are lying but if they get those point totals up those goal totals up it could be in for you know a pretty dang good season and that's just the biggest thing we're probably gonna beat it into a broken record throughout this season but uh, just getting goals and find a way it's much easier said than done but yeah the numbers never lie if they keep on playing that way those will even out over the course of an 82 game season and they could be in for a good ride just all matter putting the puck in the back of the net uh, which is like I said we'll probably beat on a dead horse hopefully you guys will stick with us even as we keep on uh, discussing that topic throughout the season but the numbers you just mentioned pretty astounding and it says a lot about kind of the identity of this year's team and their head coach and kind of molding themselves around that being a really solid defensive discipline hockey team yeah and for the coyotes i think when you look at those numbers the number that you can circle as the reason why you're two two and one one and a half expected goals per game so yeah you're expected to allow a goal every other game but you're also scoring three goals every two games so got to get those numbers up and we'll see if they can do that against nashville on thursday and uh, before that game starts, we'll be here on the air with you on Locked On Coyotes. Um, we'll talk Nashville. Uh, they got a big win last night in Vegas. They looked impressive, even though Roman Yossi uh, left pretty banged up uh, in the facial area after a big fight with Mark Stone. Good for the fantasy team. I have both Roman Yossi and Mark Stone on my team, so that's a big 10 minutes. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk uh, the game against the Predators. Who's going to be in the lineup? Is Hayton going to find his way back in? Is Lubushkin going to come in for Bianco? So we'll talk all that and more on Locked on Coyotes. You can follow me on Twitter at SAskelson96. as at S-A-S-K-E-L-S-O-N-9-6. You can follow the show at L-O underscore Coyotes. Once again, that is at L-O underscore Coyotes. Andrew, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, it's at Andrew Bell 7 capital A, capital B on the uh, first name and last name. And... Yeah, thanks again for having me today, Seth. I hope for your sake that your fantasy hockey team is better than your fantasy football season, too. Yeah, my fantasy football season, one league I'm 3-3, three and three, the other one I'm 0-5. Oh so, uh, right I, I don't think anybody asked. I, well, I you brought I it up. So, so. Uh, Currently at 500, though, only one week into fantasy hockey, but I finished dead last place last year in a pretty unceremonious fashion. So off to a better Let start Let me play the uh, world's tiniest violin here. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a championship. From worst to first... And that's what the Coyotes are hoping to do. Uh, worst offense in the league to best offense in the league. We'll see if they can start that. Can Seth's fantasy hockey team survive over the Coyotes' goals? That's the biggest question that we're going to have on this podcast. Obviously, we'll monitor it, Seth. That is true. If we were going to have a gambling expert, a gambling expert, Colton Dodgson, and that's the over-under on what team's going to score more goals, my fantasy team or the Coyotes this season. <laughs> so um, I think it'll be the Coyotes because their offense is really starting to figure it out. And the offense for my fantasy team, not looking so hot at the moment. Either way, we'll be joining us tomorrow. Again, Predators matchup. Who's going to be in the lineup? We'll talk about that. So for Andrew Bell, I'm Seth Askelson, and we hope you stay locked on Coyotes.